0: Started with me basically getting on the keto diet, focusing on cooking my own meals, getting away from snacking throughout the day in in, in the office. You know, like my my typical day looked like I would cook one of my three meals and then I would be stressed out eating at my cubicle, like Oreos, Doritos. And I'm looking at myself, I'm like, I used to be an athlete. Like, this is not like
1: the thriving body that it once used to be. Also, if you've got a friend who you know could benefit from hearing this episode, please share the love with them. My goal is always to spread positive impact through the sharing of knowledge, and I would be honored if you could help me achieve this goal. Today's episode is with Harrison Gray and Brett Ender, the two co-hosts of the Meat Mafia podcast. The Meat Mafia officially began in January of 2022 with one mission in mind, share their wealth of practical experiences in transforming their own health through an active animal-based lifestyle. Animal-based living emphasizes the elimination of processed foods and the consumption of natural whole foods. As the name suggests, most of these foods come from animal sources, from beef to honey, and everything in between. It is their belief that locally sourced animal-based foods optimize personal and planetary health. This conversation was a bunch of fun because both Harrison and Brett bring a ton of energy to every topic we discuss. From conquering Ironman races to defeating autoimmune diseases, we cover a variety of topics that can help you improve your own life. So without further ado, please welcome to the show, Harrison and Brett. What is up Thrive Fam? Super excited, as I always say. I'm just an exciting guy, right? I got the Meat Mafia in the house today Mr. Harry Gray and Brett Ender. And today's conversation is going to be a lot of fun. So I'm very much looking forward to it and having you tune in. How are y'all doing today? Dude, could not be better. already saw you once today, so it's good to be back (sighs) with you again. Two
0: times in a day.
2: (sighs) You guys had a little Squatch encounter? Yeah, we did. From what I hear.
0: And we would have been at
1: MSW Lounge if we had not run into each other. Yeah, we were there last Friday as well. (laughs) You know, just like... Bumping, uh bumping shoulders with each other recently, but I want to get right into this conversation because we have so much that I want to get to and not enough time. I know. I wish we could have hours together, but y'all have a meeting <laughs> after this, and I don't want to make you late. So before we get into all the really good stuff, Brett, why were you shitting yourself in the woods? <laughs> <laughs> It's a good it's question. He's, he it's... gets asked that question all the time. <laughs> yeah, it's a... I, I love ask. I love being the one to ask this question because usually it's me on the receiving yes. end of this. Um, so I'm just gonna let you run with that, however you want to go.
2: Yeah, it's a good question. And I'll try and keep. <laughs> I'll try and keep the answer as short and sweet as possible. But um, the short answer is that Harrison and I just completed the Habanero 100K which was an ultra marathon right outside of Houston, Texas. So my our good buddy Sammy signed up for the 100-mile version of it and called me about a month ago and said, "Hey, I'm doing the 100-miler. Do you want to sign up for some version of the race with me?" And I was just at a point where I hadn't put a race on the calendar in a long time, so I instinctively said yes. So naturally, I call Harrison right afterwards <laughs> and I'm like, "Hey, dude, I just signed up for this 100k. Are you in?" <laughs> Of course, of course, and, and
0: I'm just the guy who's <laughs> <You're> like, <"Fuck." laughs> if you were getting dragged along, I was getting dragged along. So
2: yeah, yeah. that's kind of how we do it. Is like if I sign up for something, he'll sign up for it, and vice versa. So I now owe him a couple races to make up. What for this. have you
1: done prior to this?
2: So we both played baseball together in college, and so Harrison graduated a year before I did. And the interesting thing is, we both kind of separately fell down this endurance rabbit hole. Um, so I think I've done. I think it's two marathons, three half Ironman, one full Ironman, a 50k, now 100k, and a bunch of other smaller tries and half marathons. So I don't know how many races that is, but you're similar, yeah, right? Yeah, I'm
0: in the same ballpark. Like I don't know, I could probably rattle them off off the top of my head, but same ballpark. But we did. So we signed up for a half Ironman together, which was going to be our first endurance race together in mm-hmm. 20- 2019. 2019. Yeah, uh, Lake Placid, 70.3. Yep. And we were training for it separately. And then Brett Brett will tell the story, but his gut got inflamed like two weeks before, was in the hospital. So he ended up not being able to make it. So as... Like an extension of that, we signed up for a full distance Ironman together um, during COVID as just like, we're bored as hell. We need something to do. Mm -hmm. Let's train for a race together. And it was perfect because it gave us both that like itch to like get back on the bike, start running again, start swimming again, and um, do it together. For the first time. And so in that training process, we did a few races together. We did an uh, Olympic distance Ironman and then a 70.3 Ironman. And then we did the full Ironman down here in Waco, which was awesome. Mm. It's kind of been like this whole like formative experience for us too. Because a lot of what we're doing now with the Meat Mafia, which we can touch on uh, if you want to dive into that too, it was literally just catapulted off of that race.
1: Let's dive a little bit into what the pain of the races kind of teaches you like that's mm. that's suffering so even before you got into the racing, you you were sick mm-hmm. so like you did you end up doing that race did. Harry, you did it solo
0: i did it solo it dude i was not ready for that race
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> um what is have...
1: not so like let's break it down for the people what is not ready for a race look like what does it show up like on race day
0: dude i put my wetsuit on backwards i had not <laughs> did you put, really yeah uh and then and then i was looking at,
1: i was looking at other people
0: and i'm like because did i had done all my swimming in the pool up until that point um Whoa. which is that's like you know first level of like preparation like you, at should least you have swam, swam mm-hmm. in the wets yeah dude but part of the event for me is just like embracing some of that like underpreparedness, but like there's also a moment in time when you go I really want to like actually dial in for this race but that was a distance I'd never done before so I was just like prep didn't have a coach was kind of winging it myself ready physically but it was so taxing I mean the course itself was super hilly on both the bike and the run but Dude, you didn't even have a clip in pedals. I didn't have clip in pedals. Yeah. So, what were you sneakers. eating? Like, what was your, like, when you're unprepared, Goose. what does this look like? Yeah. I had, so I had Goose. They have like uh, stations on the course for, for nutrition. But, I mean, I had like Gatorade, Goose, all the like, like high carb stuff, which now we can talk about it too. Like, kind of trying to avoid a lot of like the really sugary, unnatural products that you put in uh, your body during endurance races because a lot of them just mess up your gut. We've both had problems with it. That kind of hits on the why. Why were you shitting in the woods? <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. So we're gonna tie this back. So <laughs> I know, you, we need to <laughs> <a> tie it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, Brett, you suffer from ulcerative colitis, mm-hmm. and uh, this is something that's near and dear to me with my stomach issues, but also my uh, one of my best friends who was actually in town last week. I don't know if you were in Squatch Harry when I brought him there, but he also has ulcerative colitis, and mm-hmm. I've been talking to him about how we can improve his quality of life and understanding like what that disease takes from you. Mm -hmm. Um, obviously one of the things it took from you was being able to show up for that race. Um, so just for people out there, how has that shown up in your life? Like when, when were you diagnosed and like how has it impacted your life? Because I think there's a lot of people out there that are suffering, but I think a lot of the suffering they allow to just consume them rather than it sounds Mm -hmm. like what you're doing is going out and like punching back is what I would say. Definitely punching back. And, What's interesting too is
2: we didn't realize this prior to you coming on our podcast. We have those two similarities where we're both from Jersey, and then we also have irritable bowel syndrome or you know inflammatory gut diseases. So it's interesting how we're kind of tied together there. Um, but I would say for me, I've always been a competitive athlete, and I think that that was probably part of the issue is that I justified everything that I was eating because I was training really hard. So I always was like aesthetically, I looked like I was in good shape. I was slim. I had muscle, I was a good athlete, and I was like, oh, well, it's like, you know, a calorie is a calorie, I can just use it as fuel. So in 2016, Harry and I both, we both played baseball at and that's how we met, we became really good friends, but in the summer of 2016, I was living at home in New Jersey, and I was working an internship in New York City, so I would take the train two hours each way, so it was a four, four-hour commute total, and I started noticing in the beginning of that summer, I started noticing blood when I was going to the bathroom. So for anyone that's listening to this, if you notice blood in your stool at all, do not wait, go to a GI or a doctor immediately and get it checked out because it's not something to take lightly at all. So for me at the time, I started noticing some blood in my stool and I was like, oh, you know, I'm healthy. It's probably fine. It'll just pass through. And meanwhile, right, it's, I look back now and I was eating like absolute shit, ton of fried food, was getting shit faced every Friday and Saturday. I wasn't sleeping enough. I was chronically just stressed out playing baseball and putting way too much pressure on myself. So like, I look back and connect the dots. It's like, it completely makes sense why I was sick. So I start noticing blood on my stool in June. And then by the end of the internship in August, I had gotten to the point where I was going to the bathroom 20 to 30 times a day. I would say I had lost 30 pounds. My skin was chronically flared up. And then I got to a point where I was shitting blood 20, 30 times a day. And then I was throwing up blood. So... Holy cow. Yeah. And I just... And I know this sounds so stupid, but I don't know. I don't know why. I just didn't... I didn't say anything to my parents. I don't know if I was embarrassed. I don't know if it was an ego thing. But it got to that point where the last day of my internship, I ended up calling my doctor. And my doctor's nurse picked up and was like, you need to check yourself into the emergency room immediately. So I got a car from New York City, checked into Princeton Hospital... Got a colonoscopy and i got diagnosed with ulcerative colitis so for anyone that doesn't know what you see is it's an inflammatory bowel disease that affects your large intestine your colon and we don't know exactly what causes it it could be stress it could be diet it could be genetics i think i probably hit a little bit on all three of those i know you do too i know you have some genetic issues with your family and lineage but it's an inflammatory bowel disease where you basically get ulcers on the inside of your intestines that results in blood coming through your stool So you can't really process the food that you're eating. So you might be eating something, but you're just immediately shitting it out or throwing up. So um, you're not taking in any nutrients, which is why I lost 30 pounds that summer. So I'm in the hospital. I get the colonoscopy. I find out that I have UC. And what they tell you is that you're supposed to be on medication for the rest of your life because you can't actually cure UC. You can only put it into remission. So they put me on a biologic drug called Remicade, which is an immunosuppressant, and it's supposed to basically get your colon under control. It's supposed to clear out the inflammation. And then they also gave me prednisone and then a drug called Lealda. So I went back to school my senior year and thought that because I was on this medication, I could pretty much just continue the same shit that I was doing. So I was like, still drinking. I still wasn't eating well. I was exercising, but it's it's crazy to think back just to how naive and stupid I was back then. So I graduated from school in 2017, and I just felt like I underachieved in terms of my potential. Like, I didn't have a good college baseball career. I was a mediocre student. I got sick, and I was, you know, I was just living at home with my parents for a few months after I graduated, just feeling like I was capable of more. And uh, for whatever reason, I just started feeling compelled to, like, put on a pair of running shoes and just start running long distance because I could never, I never was able to run before I could maybe run like two miles max. And so I worked up to five miles and I worked up to eight miles. Then I was like, all right, fuck it. Why don't I do a half marathon? I signed up for a half marathon. And so I started going down the rabbit hole of like endurance athletics. And I noticed that my mentally, spiritually, physically, I improved a lot, but my stomach still wasn't quite there. And I got lucky because I eventually moved into New York city And my roommate was very into training and was cooking a lot of his meals. So he taught me how to make some of the basic dishes that he was cooking. So, you know, ground beef, chicken thighs, steaks. And I started noticing that when I was cooking my meals, my stomach started feeling better. And I'm like, okay, that was the first indication. I'm sure it was probably similar for you too, right? And then everything changed in 2019 when my stomach flared up when Harry and I were supposed to do that race in Lake Placid because – At this point, I'm doing all these endurance races. I feel better. I look the best that I've ever looked. But I'm still having these issues going to the bathroom. My stomach is still flaring up. I'm still missing things. I'm still worried about going to the bathroom in public. Like The immunosuppressant got me to a point, but it didn't really change until I started consciously taking control of every single meal that I was putting into my body. So in 2019, I came across Dr. Sean Baker. On Joe Rogan's podcast. And for anyone that doesn't know Dr. Baker, he's the most well-known carnivore doctor. So he's an, I think he's a ortho, he's either an emergency or orthopedic surgeon by trade. And he is an advocate of a carnivore diet, which is eating all animal products. So beef, chicken, fish, eggs, maybe some cheese, maybe some dairy. Those are, those are fringe products, but it's mostly the animal protein. And he started talking about how all of these people with these chronic, Autoimmune conditions were effectively healing their diseases by trying this diet, and so for me, I'm thinking to myself, "Okay, well, if I can eat a certain way, and it could actually, I could be, I could maybe get off this medication or not shit myself, like that would be a huge win, <laughs> Except right? When you're running yeah. 60 miles, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he, was, he was putting
0: the runny in running, <laughs> no, literally,
2: literally, but you, but you know it though. It's like, it's a, it's a weird feeling to be a to be like a fully grown adult and worried that you're literally going to shit yourself oh, in public dude. because your stomach is so inflamed. I cannot imagine how yeah. bad that must feel.
0: It's embarrassing. It's, it's
1: being a, a full grown ass male. And I've written about this and spoken about it, but this is what it takes for me. If you're listening to this, when I wanted to travel or I wanted to do different things, like my immediate th- first thought is like, is there going to be a bathroom there? Totally. How fucked up is that? It's ter- yeah. Like, it's like, so is there going to be a bathroom in the vicinity? Like that was my first thought when anyone asked me to do anything that became my first thought. Yes. Um, but I don't know if you felt this, this is what sports and athletics and sharpening my brain and resiliency have helped me with is just like, I got to the point where it's this weird thing where I stopped caring. Mm-hmm. Like I've been on a run and I like shit myself on the run. Yeah. Like, as soon as it happens, yeah, it sucks. But then, like, something broke where I was just like, you know what? Whatever. Yep. And, like, as soon as I had that whatever mentality, I started realizing that my autoimmune condition, like, got better. Like, mm. started to get better. The, and then I started connecting, okay, like, a lot of what we deal with is just, like, stress internally. Totally. And what I equate it to is this is why diet's such a big thing. Like, I also equate it to, and maybe you can touch on this, is just, like, the belief of being able to be healed yes so if you take it's funny because you actually have an example right now so brett came in here he had this they him and harry just ran this long ass race and he has all these blisters over his feet i was like dude you need to like pop some of those and then put some medicaid put some like medicaid on it and then a bandage and then it'll be better in two days and you'll be good to go and the thing is you do that and that's exactly what's going to happen now if you start scratching your feet do you think it's going to heal now right so with our organs we do that same thing over and over Mm -hmm. and over again Mm -hmm. you thought that you could just go back to that normal life where it's like oh i just take this medicine and like magically my organs are just going to heal themselves and then i can still drink i can still eat processed shit i can still stress myself out and everything's going to be fine and dandy that's how everyone goes about their life but imagine if you have a cut and you are scratching that scab, it never heals. And that's Mm -hmm. what we're doing internally. It's like magic. Like if I took a knife and cut you, like in a couple of days, your body's gonna heal itself. That is fucking crazy to me, right? You literally hear yourself, but we can't do that with our organs. That's basically what the modern healthcare system is telling you when you're taking medication. Like, oh, we can't fix you, but here's this thing that you're going to have to pay thousands of dollars for. Mm-hmm. just doesn't make sense to me rather taking a step back and saying, okay, like what is it that I can do habit wise that's going to help me allow my organs to heal themselves just like a cut would. And that's where I'd love to parlay this conversation into how did you guys become the meat mafia? So I'll let Harry take this a little bit. What, was the original idea behind this like who was the first person to try carnivore or to start working with this and then have an idea around maybe we should do something more than just brett eating more meats to suppress his autoimmune condition
0: It, it happened really organically i'll start with the actual idea of the meat mafia which is our brand on twitter which we grew and then turned into a podcast but originally it was just we were living together we were eating cooking all of our meals together. We were really leaning into our health at this point. We had just finished this Ironman, and we were looking for ways to – I had quit my job. I was three months out of working corporate life looking basically to grow a business idea that I had, which was in the food system, regenerative agriculture, creating an online platform to support these farmers. And that was like a swing and a miss, but it led us to the oh, Meat market. This is awesome.
1: So did you quit your job before you had any revenue? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Fuck yeah. yeah. That's awesome. No,
0: I was like, I'm at the end of the road here. I know I, I basically I had a job offer in Florida. It would have been a nice job to take, but I knew that I didn't want to like I was just done with testing out whatever that real estate investing career path looked like, I was like, I need to explore this other area, which is health, which has played a huge role in my life. And similar to Brett, like played sports growing up, being healthy has always been a priority for me. I've run into my own problems throughout life in terms of like not prioritizing health. And then it's all come back during COVID and starting to eat a keto diet. And carnivore was really kind of the basis of that. Like coming back to really focusing on my health started with me basically getting on the keto diet focusing on cooking my own meals getting away from snacking throughout the day in, in in the office you know like my my typical day looked like i would cook one of my three meals and then i would be stressed out eating at my cubicle oreos doritos and i'm looking at myself i'm like i used to be an athlete like this is not like the thriving body that it wants used we to be we literally
1: turn athletes into caged animals Bro, and was, then we feed them like fucking hay yeah like how much weight did you put on
2: uh, when, you, so when I, you started i was losing.
0: like you know i was like this guy right like i would realize that i was going in the wrong direction that i would get aggressive and at the peak i was like 250 which right now i'm like i'm 220 comfortably so for me to be like 250 like i can hide it. i'm a bigger guy but i felt terrible like i was like this is just not 250 is big. it's big yeah is big. And so for me, the light bulb went off that I need to start making some changes. So even before COVID hit and we were in lockdown, I was starting to make these changes. But once the lockdown hit, I was all on it. Like people were struggling. I was thriving. I was literally like, okay, no gym. I'm going to walk a bunch. Was walking like 20,000 steps a day, cooked all my meals, kept everything really basic. I had a Peloton, which was great. I would wake up, do like a 15, 20 minute ride. Let that kind of be like the start to my day and really gotten a good rhythm. But that all progressed towards me going from keto to carnivore and then our whole Iron Man experience matched up basically perfectly with what brett was doing which was healing himself
1: what's up guys i'd like to take a second to thank you for tuning into this episode with the meat mafia i hope you are loving this conversation so far but before we get back into it i have an opportunity i want to tell you about as we all know life is hard it can beat you down have you feeling low, and make it seem like you are alone. I'm here to remind you though, that the most worthwhile journeys, they are not meant to be taken alone. And right now you have the ability to take action and join others, including myself, on the mission to make every heartbeat count. Head over to cjfinley.com and sign up for my daily newsletter where I will be giving you information, impactful stories, tips and tricks, and access to a community who are focused on making an impact above and beyond themselves you also have the perk of exclusive giveaways, potential shout outs, and possibly even some collaborations. The least that will happen is you will walk away into every day with an extra pep in your step. My promise is that I will always do my best to help you thrive on life. And this newsletter is one of the best ways for me to help you do so. So if you're looking to get to the next level of your life, connect with like-minded individuals and have a daily dose of info that will help you thrive, Sign up for my newsletter at cjfinley.com. Now let's get back to the conversation with the Meat Mafia. So
0: we just kind of landed in Austin, both really focused on our health, both having this huge challenge of finishing this Ironman together. And I was like, okay, how can we turn this into something that both of us can like just continue to lean into, and so I started writing online, just kind of a, a side thing, as I was trying to figure out how to get into regenerative agriculture and into the nutrition space. And so I was writing online for this guy who already had a blog established, and he wanted me to create like an anonymous name. Came up with this name Clemenza, which is a Godfather character, and um, that that's the genesis of us starting writing online and creating content online around nutrition, which was like, hey just a shot in the dark start writing for this guy and then brett and i started talking i'm like yo you should sit, share your story about colitis like people will get value from that and um once i remember he was like yo can you check this out i wrote it and i was like holy shit he actually wrote it and i remember reading through i'm like dude this is going to crush you need to post this and i was trying to like you know i remember like reading you and being like i wonder if he's gonna like actually post this like that it's a big deal right like putting yourself out there in that way. It was an incredibly vulnerable piece and he did it. And it was like, from that point on, it's crazy how
1: much stories like that can have an impact. Like I just, I just did one year. I'm, I'm over one year now of no alcohol. Mm-hmm. And to me, like anybody that knows me, if I say I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it. So like the one year to me didn't mean anything. Cause like day one of one year, I'm like, yeah, I'm doing, I'm going to go longer than a year. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, to me in my head, I'm just like, I already made it. Like it's not that big a deal, but I posted it online, uh, on LinkedIn and it went viral. And I was like, Hmm, maybe like the things that we think don't matter as much to us. Like obviously your, your colitis story matters in the, in the terms of like it changed your life forever. But like, Mm -hmm. there's people out there that we don't even know that will connect with it. And that's why I, I love your story of like getting on Twitter because it's free. People will always find a way to limit themselves. Like, oh, I can't do this or I can't do that. But if you're listening to this and you have a job or a corporate job or something where you want to pivot out of, mm-hmm. like, you can literally, during your free time, during when you're taking a shit, yep. write a tweet, right? Literally. So it's just like we have all these outlets now in 2022. You won't get any sympathy from me, really, if you're not going in the direction that you want to go. But I also know that it's a lot tougher than just – hey, I have this idea and we're going to blow up. Like there's a lot of work that goes into it. And for the both of you, I'd love for you both to kind of chime in on like, okay, what are some unexpected like wins that you had? Like, oh yeah, this was really great. We grew a Twitter, but like what were some of the tougher sides of switching on to the more entrepreneurial route?
2: Mm -hmm. I think first just to like preface what I'm about to say, everything that we're doing at the Meat Mafia We left our experience living together in Austin for three months last fall. We lived together from September through up till Christmas, basically. And, like, it's hard to explain, but we felt like we were leaving that experience, like we had captured lightning in a bottle or magic or whatever the term is. Because when you find a great friend or someone that, like, can match your energy – it's physics, right? It's like your both of your energy is combining and it's something greater than what you would ever would be individually. So we left this experience, like we knew that we were amazing friends, but we were like, there's something special here and we need to just find some type of creative outlet to share this with the world, like, or just work together because we had that much fun. So Harrison, I was literally living on Harrison's floor and he started writing for this guy, Texas Slim, that was doing a lot of blogging and writing about Bitcoin and what was wrong with the food system. And I remember Harrison shared me the first piece of writing that he had ever done. And I never, I didn't know Harrison was capable of being a writer. I didn't, I, cause we just never talked about it before. And he read it to me and I was literally like, holy shit, dude, you wrote that. He was like, yeah, like seriously, you didn't, that was, you actually wrote that. It's like, that's fucking unbelievable. I had no idea that he had that talent. So that was when the light bulb started to go off at like, okay, he has this whole creative side. And I've always wanted to share my story too. Like what he was mentioning about sharing the story about healing my colitis naturally. Dude, I had written that blog in my head for the last two to three years and just never had the courage. Like I would sit down and I would start writing it and I would get all hard on myself and say, ah, oh, this this sucks. This isn't good. And I would throw it away. And finally, Harrison was really the one that was like the catalyst to, to force me to publish it. So after the experience of living together in Austin, I moved out to San Diego and finally just I took my laptop out and I was like Thursday night and I was like I'm not leaving until I write this entire story out so I sat there I took two hours I wrote it it wasn't great but for whatever reason I was like why don't I turn this into a Twitter thread we, we were talking about maybe growing our Twitter accounts so I distilled all the main points into a Twitter thread and I remember very distinctly I set my alarm for 5 a.m. the next day I was going to post it and I woke up the next day posted it and then this account, Solbra, who's huge in the, he's like a huge esoteric health account. He saw the post and retweeted it. And the thing went viral. It got like a thousand likes. And I think I had 20 followers at the time. So for for me, that was that was massive. And that was the proof of concept that we both needed, that we were like, holy shit. Like you were talking about, the internet really does have infinite leverage. And then from there, it's just been this game of like, just kind of competitively fueling each other where it's like Harrison will write a thread, I'll write a thread, and we just keep going back and forth and we give each other ideas and content. And, you know, we're sitting here seven months later and we have collectively over 100,000 followers on Twitter. And people are always like, how did you guys grow so quickly? But it's like, we genuinely love this. And when you have a best friend or just someone that can fuel you, it just pushes you to another level. But in terms of like the difficulty, Harrison quit his nine to five, so there's obviously the difficulty of not having that income coming in, and then I was working a nine-to-five, so our incentives up till this point had been somewhat misaligned because I had a consistent paycheck coming in. He didn't, and I just felt like for me, I started struggling balancing the meat mafia and then also working a full-time corporate gig. I just felt like I wasn't able to give. You know, you only have 100% of your effort and time to give, and I felt like I wasn't really able to divide my efforts incredibly well, but we're, you know, we've gotten to a point where I literally just put in my two weeks notice this past Monday, deciding to go all in. And it's like the best feeling because I see what we've been able to do in seven months of, you know, trying to just wing it, throw shit at a wall and see what sticks. And I'm like, I can't even imagine where we're going to be when we can just direct all that energy towards one thing. And me physically being in Austin with him, you know, networking, doing in-person podcasts. Like that's the shit that gets me the most excited. So a little bit of a uh, verbal diarrhea there, but it's, No, it's yeah. perfect.
0: Yeah, dude, the creative process is so interesting because I think a lot of people sell themselves so short when it comes to actually putting themselves out there. Like I was blown away by the feedback, even from stuff that I put out that I was like, this is relatively, uh, it feels unimpressive. And then you get feedback, which is something I actually like, it was part of the reason why I quit my job. I felt like the feedback I was getting wasn't honest. Like I would like not. I felt like I wasn't doing a good enough job, and it would be like, doing great, man, keep it up. And so keep doing when what I, you're doing. So when I realized that like the internet was this this meritocracy where if you put something out and it sucks, you'll be able to actually get a nice read on that, and if mm-hmm, it's great, mm-hmm. you'll know. And so for me, that was exactly what I knew that's what motivates. I think we know what motivates each other, which is another key to like, why I think we grew really well is because like, once we knew that we could put stuff out there, get feedback and measure it, it was like, okay, we can actually like gamify this and really make it fun. And we love what we were writing about too. So I think uh, really like the creative process, I think we have both really figured out that we're more creative than we are anything else uh, through the whole thing too, which is shocking. Considering what we were doing
2: before. (laughs) Totally. That's actually a good point that we could that we could dig into, right? I think the three of us have that similarity and probably a lot of people that are listening to this podcast.
1: What it makes me think about is innately, if you're a human being, you're creative. Mm -hmm. And when we're kids this this is the problem with the education system. Eighty percent of your time as a kid, what are you doing?
0: You're just doing drawing. It's all creativity. And
1: then for some reason it flips to only 20% of the time, mm-hmm. like as you age, like in high school, I'd say maybe 20% of your time. Like, cause I, I do remember in high school, I still was doing like, I had a cooking class and I yeah. had, what is it? A uh, clay and like 20% of the time I would say one out of every four, one out of every five classes was creative. Then you go to college and it's, they almost strip all the creativity away from you. Mm-hmm. Because if you want to get these really good degrees, if you want to go into business and you want to go into engineering like I did it's all just logic and what's going to set you up the most to get to the job and you look at it like in college like I looked at like any creativity was a waste of time yep that's how I looked at it it was fucking bullshit and I look back and I'm like damn I really would have loved to take a photography class yeah or a videography class or a graphic design course right but I for some reason you look down on those people so one of the questions that I have is. You're talking about unlocking creativity. I think we all have it. It's all inside us. But especially as men, Mm. there's not any outlets. If you're getting a a standard nine-to-five job, there's not many outlets to seek. And no one else is really opening their doors. So this is an avenue that has limitless capabilities. Mm -hmm. So from what you've built on Twitter what is some advice you have for some people out there that would love to get started? You mentioned writing a thread. Mm -hmm. What are some of the tactics that somebody could utilize to spur that creativity? Because I think the other thing, before you answer this, is a lot of people want the same result that you have, but they want it on day one. And if they don't get it on day one, they give up right away. And we're teaching, we have this, problem in society where we're taking that creativity away but we're also like most artists hundreds of years ago they didn't become famous until they were dead Mm -hmm. because there was no internet there was no internet to show your art so now that we have people that do understand or have a great understand how to gamify it or understand that there are some ways to kind of rig the system a little bit Mm -hmm. and i don't mean in a negative way yeah rig the system like you had somebody repost yes right so it's just like that's out of your control, Totally. but you still had to write the piece Yes. to do that. Yes. Now, if that didn't happen on day one, I take you guys as the guys that would still keep going, obviously, if you're running mm-hmm. Ironmans and doing all this stuff, but the average person struggles with, oh, this, I thought this was great, and this didn't go out there. So two-part question, what's the inspiration, motivation, tactics that you have to get somebody to be more creative and maybe put some tweets out there? And then on the other half of it, how do they not get addicted to the result?
2: Mm. I think a lot about, we've talked about this too, kind of like leaning into your uniqueness and your weirdness almost. Mm -hmm. It's like when you look at what we've done so far, it's like the meat mafia. Okay, these guys are in their 20s and they're like tweeting about steak and farming (laughs) and they're from the city. Like it's kind of a bizarre thing, right? (laughs) So it's like, that's kind of like a unique, it's like our, that's kind of like our unique talent stack where it's like, hey, New
1: Jersey is the garden state.
2: It is. Sorry. I had to cut you off there. Yeah. But that's <laughs> well, kind of our, that's our unique talent stack is like, we know how to write, we know how to speak. We're interested in the regen ag stuff. We're interested in the nutritional space. We're not the best at any of those things, but we've combined a pretty unique stack and we've tapped into the, into the leverage of the internet. So I would, I, I would just say like, cause cause I've tried to, you know, write threads in the past or post on Instagram or say, Oh, I'm going to create more content. But I don't think I ever – I think I was trying to replicate other people where this was the – this has probably been the first moment of my life where I've truly leaned in on the things that I'm passionate about and unique and just put that out there in my authentic way. So I think that that's huge. And then I think just in terms of like general facilitation of creativity, it's like what are the things that you can be doing to get yourself in that great state? The three of us are similarly wired. where are just getting some type of good exercise in, whether it's – Weight training, whether it's running at a zone two pace where your heart rate doesn't get too high, it stays at a good heart rate where you can still think. Also, like a long walk as well, a sauna, a cold plunge, like those are just things. When I get out of those experiences, I feel like I'm the most creative, I'm the most positive. The ideas are buzzing to the point where I need a phone or pen and paper in hand because I just have so many ideas that I want to get out. I'm so optimistic about the future. And then another thing too, I think that Harrison was the one that um, you got me into turning pro, but Everyone that's interested in creative pursuit should read this book called The War of Art by Steven Pressfield. Unbelievable author. And he writes this, it's 150 pages. You could read it in an hour. And he basically talks about this concept of resistance, which is something that every single creative person experiences, whether it's you want to create music, you want to create a viral social media account, you want to write a book, whatever, you're going to encounter this resistance, just this this obstruction to get from point A to point B to accomplish your goal. And what he recommends is Battling that head on. And for us, it's like every single day, we take 30 minutes to an hour and we just sit at our computer screen and we just write. And we don't care what it is. We don't care how shitty it is, how good it is, but we make that intentional effort. And what Pressfield talks about is that he calls it the muse or God will reward you for those efforts. So you might sit there the first time and take an hour and write a terrible thread that doesn't do anything. But if you continue to do that day in and day out, your writing is going to compound and then you are going to get that viral thread that gets 20,000 likes or whatever the equivalency is. But it's not just that one thread. It's all the hours that you put in before that. So I think it's Mm -hmm. a combination of like doing things, figuring out what is going to make you feel the most creative and then just blocking out the intentional time to take action. Like that's what I think we've both learned is like we've overcomplicated this stuff so much and that every time we take action, we grow, which is fucking incredible, and it's yeah. empowering. And we've, I've, I've just spent so many years locked up in my own head, overthinking shit. And if I had known that taking action was ninety percent of the battle, I can't even imagine where we would be now.
0: Yeah, but it's all—it's also just firewood that you've stacked up, and now you're just like, oh my gosh, I have this talent. I know what I can do with it. Um, and and you just have all the opportunity in the world to go after it now. But one of the things I think about when I'm thinking about putting something out there creatively and just as Brett was talking it's like I was writing and I know you do the same thing in a journal to myself for months and months and months before I put anything out there and it wasn't anything groundbreaking or creative but it was really just figuring out how to express myself to myself in a way that was me actually relating like okay like how am I feeling like what am I trying to put out there what thoughts do I have today that might like actually unique to somebody or like somebody else might find value in it and I think that people get caught up with the idea of actually posting it and putting it out there just create for yourself first get comfortable with your own expression your own uniqueness as Brett said and then freaking post it Who I mean or you don't even need to post it but creativity can just be cooking meals for yourself totally creativity can be like I started editing videos i have never edited a video in my life. And I started editing, editing videos for one of our buddies who has a Instagram. And I remember going back and showing Brett and him. I stayed up all night, like editing this thing. I was like, so pumped. I'm like, I'll figure this out. (laughs) And I I edit it and I show them. They're like, where did this come from, dude? And I was like, I just loved it. I loved sitting down and doing the process. So like, you don't need to be the face or you don't need to be doing it for other people's recognition. Just do it for yourself first.
1: Mm. I love that statement because if we go back to what I was saying about being a kid, like when you're a kid, you're not thinking of ulterior motives. No. Yeah. That's what crushes more creativity than anything else. It's just yeah. like, I'm doing this for an ulterior motive. But again, going back to the education system and this is why I love platforms like Twitter and TikTok and everything. That's like, it's almost breaking the education system that needs to be broken. We go to different classes and grades for this ulterior motive, like I'm going to get the degree and then I'm going to get the job and then I'm going to have the wealth and then I'm going to have the family and the picket fence. And a lot of us are waking up to one, I don't want that. Mm. Two, why did I want that in the first place? Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Three, when did I start wanting all of that? Yeah. And then when you kind of like trace back, when did you start wanting all that? It's for me, it was really towards the end of high school, looking for scholarships before that. I, I think back and maybe you guys can attest to this as well. I was creating like dumb videos in high school with my buddies and mm-hmm. we were like create like, so we were like acting recording like, so I was producing these things, but then like junior year life gets serious. It's like, you got to go to college next. And then once you get into college, it's like sports, Girls, party, mm-hmm. greats. There's no room for anything else. There's yes. no room for that creative process. And I think what you really just said there is time blocking space for creativity. Mm-hmm. I think I'm bullish if we even say 1% of people do that.
2: It's definitely less than that.
1: Like so many Think of 99% are... of the population is not doing that. I think that's even like i think it could be like 99.5 percent of the population doesn't put on their calendar time for creativity
0: Mm -hmm. i just think about myself in my early 20s you know working a corporate job like the only thing i was worried about was my job and just like making money in my relationships and it wasn't even a thought to go out and like try to start something on the side or or even something for myself to just like scratch that itch of being creative
1: where what has been like unexpected what is some of the unexpected so i always people one that brett just quit your job so mm-hmm. congrats Thank you. and then harry obviously you you've already done that so you've been on this wheel for a while what are some of the unexpected things that have happened that you're just like damn like that was really fucking cool so to give you an example from like my past when I quit my job, I joined a startup hub and I just started networking with people. And then one thing leads to another. And then I'm, I'm helping uh, multiple businesses. And then I'm like, wow, a lot of these people need help with photography and videography. And the next thing I know, I'm like flying drones. Mm -hmm. And then I'm getting paid to fly drones and I'm getting paid to do photos and I'm getting paid to do videography. And then before you know it, I'm also getting paid to be the model in a New Balance running photo shoot. There's a lot that goes in between all those things, but none of that would have happened if I didn't just start booking that time to allow myself to network and be more creative and pick up the camera so what have been some of the cool things that were unexpected for you that you look back on like damn this is pretty cool that i got to do that because i think a lot of people right now you guys have goals where you want to hit but i always like thinking back like damn this shit was so cool and this is why I'm invested in the process because of all these cool things that I got to be able to do. And I think a lot of people out there, they struggle because, again, they're tied to the carrot at the end. We're taught to be like that. But we don't even see the cool things that are going to happen if we just take a little bit of risk. If we just be a little totally. bit more creative.
0: I think the more you put yourself out there, the more the more people resonate with your message or like what you're interested in. And the more people you come into contact with. And then you start to realize that people genuinely, if you're out there trying to do something on your own, they want to help you like they're, they're interested in helping you figure out the problems that you want to help solve for other people. Mm-hmm. And I just think about us starting the podcast as like, I don't even really remember the conversation where we were like, let's
2: start a podcast. I do. Do you, you were the one that convinced us to do it really? because we were first, we were writing threads on Twitter. We were doing really well. Oh, the threads right. were crushing it and harry harry was like dude i think we should start a podcast and i was like really it's like I, I had done one in the past with one of my buddies it didn't go particularly well but you were the one that was like no dude i think that it's just going to give us the ability to connect with really cool people it's going to let us work on our public speaking work on networking and i was like all right fuck it let's try it so to think about that yeah to like cuz the thing with us is like we've been we've put in 10,000 hours of nutritional just knowledge like we're fans of a lot of these big Influencers and diet experts. Like, I was talking about Dr. Sean Baker, Rob Wolf. There's so many people. It's like we've been consuming their content for years. So, something that's really cool is to go from being fans of these people to like, holy shit, like Sean Baker came on our podcast. I went on his podcast. Rob Wolf came on our podcast. Like, we were at KetoCon a month ago and Dr. Baker came up to us and wanted to talk to us for an hour and shoot the shit with us for an hour, where it's like, I've listened to this guy speak for hundreds of hours and of like, not idolized him, but, like, he, you know, he's the reason why my stomach is healthy. Like, he was really the catalyst. So to go from that to, like, now we're actually colleagues with these people is crazy. So there's been part of it is, like, reworking your identity to be, like, I do belong in the same field with these people. Like, we're just as good as anyone else. And you have to kind of, like, pull out these, like, self-imposed limitations
1: and let yourself play in the big leagues too. Identity is such a... Uh... An interesting word and it's something that's been coming up in previous podcasts and then just in conversations I'm having off the show because we get so wrapped up in what our job identity is and then when we don't leave the job it's like we have this hierarchy within our friends and our family of what our identity is and then we have the identity that we think of ourselves as and I know for me that was a major shift of I have a full tattoo sleeve now. And like that has always been the identity of myself Mm. in my mind. Yet I would go to this corporate job and I felt like I had to like tighten up Mm -hmm. my personal identity and I didn't like that. Totally. And that's a feeling that I think money will never be able to buy. And that's why I love creativity and the creative journey and entrepreneurial journey is because you get to unlock your, your truest identity. And I think again, going back kids, we mold them to have a different identity than yes. when they come out. Like they have an identity yeah. and they know their identity better than anybody else. They're just naturally being themselves. And something that I really liked what you said there, which both of you have been talking about this, this whole conversation where the pursuit of the process, meaning starting a podcast to become a better public speaker. Mm-hmm. So like when you're setting your metrics, like when I started my podcast and I went, okay, zero to 50, I'm just, Trying to get better at conversation. Yes. And then 50 to 100. I want to build a team around this to outsource some of the things I'm doing. Then 100 to 150, I want to start creating, I created a social media, I created the IG account and pumped more on social media. Then 150 to 200 is like, okay, how can I monetize a little bit? Then 200 on, it's really going to be about how do I maximize the process internally? So like, One of my goals is I'm going to come up with some products, t-shirts, mugs, whatever, and then whoever comes on my show, I'm going to gift them whatever I feel like that thing is that mm. really represents that feeling. So yes. like maybe it's a, a meat mafia by Thrive mug that mm. you guys drink coffee out of, whatever, right? Um, so really tightening up the nuts and the bolts. And where I'm going with this is in one month, I have a couple speaking engagements and it's gonna be in, in front of a couple hundred people. And the 18-year-old, 14-year-old, 10-year-old me is, would be freaking out. 'Cause be mm-hmm. like, man, you're you're speaking in front of that many people, that's freaking crazy. Yes. Right? But nowadays it doesn't even make me nervous. It makes me excited. And I know it's because like I have this podcast, right, where I talk every single week. And last month we did like it's nothing crazy, but I think twenty two hundred downloads. So say ten percent people Ten percent of those downloads actually listen, so you have two hundred people that have listened to that one up ep- to your episodes mm-hmm. um, in that month. So then I just start thinking, okay, like, I mean, I'm already talking to two hundred people, so why would I be nervous? to do it in front of them yes. and you already trained yourself over three years just by having a one on one conversation to prepare yourself for public speaking right so then I go out there and I publicly speak in front of 200 people and then I get to say oh like here's the problems that I'm solving do any of you want to be a part of that process or can I solve those problems for you and now I have those people reaching out to me afterwards or listening to my podcast afterwards or connecting with me on social media afterwards and the reason that I'm saying any of this right now is if you're like brett and harry and you're trying to create something having the metric be i just want to get to become a better writer or i want to become a better public speaker gaining skills that will be timeless robots are never going to be able to take Mm -hmm. away our creativity that's the one thing they'll never be able to take take away that piece of advice that you just said hits home so much and Mm. i just wanted to share kind of like how much I have grown as an individual just by following that piece right there. And I think more people need to hear it. But with that being said, we like to fucking win and we're competitive. Mm -hmm. I know I want to grow my podcast for reasons beyond. I just want to get a a public speaker. I think I'm a good public speaker. Now I'm on the road to being great. And then I want to be world-class, but I also want to have a lot of impact. And the only way to do that is to grow my reach. So there's some things that I have to do and metrics that I have to hit. What does it look like today for you? What does the competitive side look like? So you've had some wins, but what would be like that moonshot goal of really where you guys are trying to go? So that way, two things, person on the other end, maybe they can connect with you and help you get to those goals sooner. And then second part is you just speaking it into existence makes it, in my belief, way more likely to happen because now you're holding yourself accountable to what you just said publicly.
2: Yeah. I think the biggest macro level goal that we talk a lot about is we genuinely believe that we can fix the food system and make people healthier. That is the thing that we think about every single day. When we write a thread, when we publish a piece of content, when we record, it's all about making people healthier. 88% of people are metabolically unhealthy 12, it means only 12% of people are actually healthy. It's fucking abysmal. There's people with chronic diseases that I've suffered from, you've suffered from it. Um, and that doesn't need to exist if we actually just improved our diet and lifestyle and focus on these preventative treatments. So like we genuinely believe with the right content and the right messaging, we can promote the proper role of animal nutrition, the proper role of the environmental impact of beef you know, disprove a lot of the misinformation that's out there. So that's what we think a lot about. And then when we think more so in terms of metrics, like we we believe that like on Instagram and Twitter, we should be able to hit over a million followers. Like that's just a metric that we think about. We know we're capable of doing it. We've hit over a hundred thousand on Twitter in a short period of time. And we haven't even been able to focus on this full time. So we think a lot about like building in these systems and structures and operational efficiencies into what we do to make ourselves more effective. We're both very creative. We're both super driven, super competitive. But where we struggle is the organizational side of things where we like right now, we literally just throw shit at the wall and see what sticks, which has gotten us to this point. But to make it to the next level to build like the best nutritional brand possible to be able to help make the food system improve upon all those qualities, make people healthier. Like we need to get all that shit dialed in. Um, What am I missing? Well,
0: I I just think, yeah. I mean, you spoke to like the core of our DNA, which is like, you know, we were just, we were just running this hundred K race. And for the first 30 miles, we were talking about how we're going to improve our business, which is very fun in in a way to just like put the guard down and just talk raw about what's going on. And I think he hit on the point. That's like, if we want to be JV, we keep doing what we're doing. If we want to be at the next level, there's like this extra focus that we need to get to that really will take us there. Um, and it's just focusing on the basics. Like, Literally setting up processes that flow into better efficiencies, like things that are just a little bit more streamlined. Like right now it's the two of us and we have a little bit of help from someone externally, a college student who's helping us with some editing. So we need to max out on efficiency. We can't like, we believe that from A to B, Brett and I know that like when we put our head down, the work's getting done, it's going to be good. But like, there's a lot of things that go into making all these forms of different types of content and making it available for people in a way that they want to consume it. And so for us to get to that next level, it's just dialing yeah. that stuff in. But to answer your question, I think gamifying, focusing on the process is incredibly important, right? Like understanding that you shouldn't be thinking about a million dollars if you want to make a million dollars. But in the back of your mind, you're like, I want this to be fruitful for me because I I'm stressed out about money right now. Like we're going to be stressed out about money. But at the end of the day, if you're focused on the right things, all that stuff just will take care of itself. You need to just have that peace of mind. Like I know that for a fact, if things just continue to go the way they're going and that we focus on the process and we just deliberately intentionally work on getting better at improving the processes, the outcomes will take care of themselves. That's been literally, that's a basic fundamental truth of anyone who's ever played Mm -hmm. any sports if you're trying to hit a home run, you're not going to hit a home run. If you're focused on watching the seams of the ball get released out of the pitcher's hands, you're going to make good contact. You're, you might hit a home run. So it's it's really just kind of like knowing what to focus on is is kind of the bottom line. Mm.
1: Have you ever read the book Zero to One? Uh, by Peter Thiel? Yeah. Yeah. That's where you guys are at in your in, in your business because yes. like when I think of what you just said – you don't want to think about making a million dollars to make the million dollars. Mm-hmm. Reframe the question of like, what makes a million dollars? Yeah. Solving yep. a problem. Yep. So that's where let's get to the, the wrap up point of this conversation. I wish I could talk to you guys for, for hours on end. It would be a blast. We should do a marathon yeah. podcast. We're going to do a out. marathon one day. Um, <laughs> or we could, we could go run 60 miles and just record it. Like That'd you guys are saying, <laughs> <laughs> let's do it. <laughs> um, that would be fun. But the last little thing I have, you you mentioned, parlays right into this is just like the processes and what you're working towards and stuff like that. What is a problem that you, that you believe you are solving that is valuable enough to actually be enough fuel to get you off the ground and, and get you zero to one towards the goals that you say you want. So you have like the million Twitter followers and obviously I know what comes with that. And then also changing the food system. Like what's the zero to one mentality of giving yourself enough runway to even have a chance at doing that.
0: Mm. I think the core of what we're trying to do is education. So that's why like the media side of things, the content side of things is really important, but we're also trying to loop in a single ingredient product that people can engage with, interact with, identify with our brand and content with go teach themselves how to cook with this product. You know, we're coming out with a a beef tallow product. That's going to help people actually cook with oils that are healthy for them. And I think a lot of this education stuff, like once you learn a few things, you get more curious. So we're just trying to be that like initial gateway drug into figuring out more about like the fundamental basics of getting yourself healthier. And then once people kind of discover these little unlocks that we believe are just like simple messaging, cook your meals, like put the process in your own hands and kind of take ownership of everything that is related to your health. Brett says this all the time, be the CEO of your own health. It's like, that is so easy to say, and it's hard to do for a lot of people. So I think we're just trying to like educate and like be a teammate for a lot of people and not just be a coach who's like, do this, do that. It's like, look, we're trying to build a community around this and get people excited about getting healthier. So that's like core to what we're doing.
1: Yeah. Being the accountability buddy to people understanding their own health and Mm sounds like maybe in the future having products that can help them go down that path. But unfortunately we got to get to wrapping up. This was awesome. I, every time I get the chance to talk to you guys, like love the energy and I can't wait to uh, continue creating and then figuring out ways to, to help each other level up um, and help your audience grow the meat mafia. Um, love the name, love everything you guys are about. We always wrap up in the same way. If people Want to get in contact with the Meat Mafia or Brett or Harry? How did they do that? Yeah, so we have we have separate Twitter accounts. So for me,
2: um, at Mr. Salazzo, that's my Twitter handle, and then Harry is at Carney Clemenza. So with two separate Twitter accounts, then we also have the podcast, the Meat Mafia podcast. It's on pretty much every major podcast platform. Um, Instagram is just the Meat Mafia podcast, and then we recently launched a Substack, which is a newsletter every single week. And we're getting to a point where we publish free content every single day on just different topics related to regenerative agriculture, the nutritional system, the food system. So I'd say between those four or five ways, that's a good way to get in touch with us. But we're just trying to keep cranking, put out more content, keep the positivity flowing, and uh, we'd love to just connect with as many people as possible.
1: Heck yeah. Last question. Ask it to everybody. And because we got two people on today, I'm going to have you guys do something we've never done before. I want you to do rock, paper, scissors, shoot real quick. Okay, let's see who wins. (laughs) Okay, so (laughs) Harry is going second. Brett gets to go first. If I were to ask you to define thriving or to define what it means to thrive, what would your response be? I would say that to me, thriving is the realization
2: that a lot of the mental constructs that you create are self-imposed. Like a lot, you start... Realizing that a lot of the limitations that you place on yourself are just in your own mind and you can literally take out the governor, like you can shatter your own governor and just continue to push more and more every single day, which sounds a little bit cliche, but through this process, the last six or seven months, like we genuinely just believe in ourselves so much. I know you believe in yourself so much. So I think just that ability to just mentally understand that you're capable of way more and you can go achieve whatever you want, literally visualize it and act it out and turn it into a physical manifestation like that for me is I just think about that stuff every single day. I love that.
0: Yeah. I, I think if your eight year old self and your 80 year old self are thinking about what you've done with your life the same way, and they could view your life in the same audience and they're both sitting there going, wow, you did it right. That's thriving.
1: Wow. 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 Harry with the mic drop. <laughs> that is a mic drop. That was <laughs> awesome. I, you articulate it in a way I have not heard it. Um, Brett, not to take it away from you, that was awesome as well. But um, that gave me a visualization that I haven't had, so I appreciate it. I appreciate both of you. Uh, at the very end, I always talk about like what my biggest takeaway is, and it honestly came in right here at the end what Brett was saying. Where I think to get to that eight-year-old and eighty-year-old version of like you're doing it right, the key is to take away that governor because that eight-year-old is dreaming really big, that eight-year-old inside you is like, I'm going to be the professional athlete. I'm going to be the astronaut. I'm going to be the fireman. I'm going to do whatever creative thing that you're thinking about Mm -hmm. when you're eight years old. And that 80-year-old is saying, I wish I wasn't as afraid as I was to actually do the things that I thought about when I was eight. And those fears come from that governor of that limiting belief that we can't become the professional athlete we can't become the nasa engineer or the fireman or whatever your goals are we limit ourselves and that's something that i think anybody that has gotten into entrepreneurship starts realizing real Mm -hmm. quickly is like the biggest enemy is yourself Mm -hmm. we try to point fingers at other people like oh it was this or i didn't have enough money or all this or whatever. But the reality is if you believe that you can achieve something, you're going to do whatever it takes to find the solution Mm -hmm. to it. And I've physically felt that I've seen it. I've witnessed it. And anybody else listening to this, uh, I'm sitting in front of two guys that, that live and breathe that. So if anything in this podcast hit home with you, please reach out to Brett and Harry, The biggest mission I have with the show is to connect like minded individuals and help other mission based people, brands and businesses thrive. So the best way you can help me do that is to reach out to them, um, help them get their mission off the ground, or maybe they can help you and be of service to you. So this is the Thrive on Life podcast. I love y'all. Talk to you next time. Thrive on.